Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans... Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, Open Floor Globe? I'm your host, Michael DePodpina, and I'm joined on the other line by my good friend, Sports Illustrated staff writer, Rohan Nadgurney. Rohan, we have a laughable amount of news to address in today's show. Uh, most of which literally went down as we published Friday's episode. But before we dive into it all, how was your 4th of July? Um, Didn't celebrate. Never really been a big 4th of July guy. Glad we can all agree now that it's not really a holiday to celebrate (laughs) for most people. Uh, Didn't even acknowledge it until just now. Mike, if you think... So wait, you spent your Monday hard at work? You were on the trade machine, or what were you doing? I was staring at TweetDeck, just waiting for Kevin Durant to get <laughs> traded. That's what I've been doing for the last three and a half days. Uh, but Mike, if you think the Katie-Kyrie situation has been compelling, this this incredible public breakup... Uh, oh, here we go, yep. If you think, if you think this is drama... Uh, then you simply don't know what you're talking about because you haven't seen Ekansu and Davide on this season of Love Island. Um, Ekansu is a generational talent. Uh, you asked for an NBA comp. Mm-hmm. I don't know that there is one because I don't know that we've ever seen a force come into the NBA and just start creating chaos like we've seen Ekansu do in the villa in Mallorca this season. Just absolutely taking people for a ride from the moment she she sat down with the girls and said, I'm not here to make any friends, told Gemma she could be her little sister before before coupling up with her man, uh, sneaking on the terrace with Jay uh, while she was in a couple with Davide. Just just unreal uh, next level stuff. Shout out to Ekansu. Shout out to Davide and his Italian accent. The way he pronounces the word liar is incredible. Um, it's just been an absolutely thrilling Love Island season. And I thought I thought the Katie Nets breakup uh, was going to be the, the craziest thing I've seen this summer, but that's just simply not true. 
for our listeners who can't see you, you're using hand gestures. You're like very much into this, uh, more so than any NBA-related storyline that we've covered on the show. So you are you're all in, and I I appreciate it, and I I commend you. Thank um, you. It's been thrilling. there's gonna it's be been that thrilling. I gotta I gotta watch. Uh, Married at First Sight kicks off new season uh, <laughs> on Wednesday tomorrow night, so I'm very excited for that. We're gonna have. I don't even know when. We're going to have a reality TV episode at some point in the offseason, hopefully. Um, On today's show, we'll be addressing a couple league-slash-franchise-altering trades and (laughs) taking stock of the free agency landscape. Uh, But first, a quick reminder to please keep your emails coming. Openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail at gmail.com. All right, so Rohan... I want to start today's show real quick before we get into those trades with a little bit of KD talk because it's still hanging over the entire NBA. He has not been traded. He probably won't be traded, I would say, for... Like, I'm expecting this to drag out for weeks, personally. Really? Yeah. You don't think think the TJ Warren signing means that the Nets are up to something? No, I don't. I what don't know a, what that means. <laughs> honestly, them getting Warren and Patty Mills when they're theoretically blowing this whole thing up is kind of annoying. So, I mean, the Warren thing, we haven't seen exactly what he will sign for. I'm guessing it's the veteran's minimum. And I've heard not great things about his body and how he's recovered from mm. multiple surgeries in the past year. And he hasn't played in two seasons, really. So it's... You know, maybe that'll be an impact signing. Maybe he'll be able to kind of up his his value on the market for the following offseason at some point. But that just seems like a buy low um, move by the Nets that's relatively smart for a team that has little at stake. I don't know how much he'll be able to contribute this year. So that's a bummer. But I do think that because of how the Nets absolutely need to maximize what they get in return. There's going to be multiple teams involved. There's going to be, I would estimate, and I could totally be wrong about this, but like I'm expecting like over a dozen players to be on the move, like four (laughs) teams, 10 picks, just like it's going to be, it's going to be wild. So when you're canvassing the league as the Nets are doing and need to do, a lot of teams are going to be throwing different um, types of offers, different, you know, theoretical three-team, four-team situations at them. Teams are going to be trying to get in on the action. Ben Simmons could also be available. Joe Harris could also be available. It's just, it's very complicated stuff. So I think it's going to take a while would be my guess. But I have a question for you as we kind of lay in wait for some action to actually happen. Um, what team do you want to see Kevin Durant on next season? First of all, I would just like to say it would be hilarious if after that whole spiel you just gave, the trade happened in the next, if it happened right after this podcast ended. <laughs> it would be great. <laughs> You're like, it's going to be weeks. Here's all the reasons why. And there's like a six-team trade announced minutes after we stop <laughs> recording. Um, I think the team I'd like to see Katie on the most is the Suns. The more I think about it, the more I'm like, there's not actually a great team for him. It's just weird to him. Imagine him on any team in the NBA currently. Uh, He really just, he's had such a strange career and he's such a nomad now. He really is just feels 
like he can't go back to Oklahoma City the way LeBron went back to Cleveland. I mean, it's not that the fans wouldn't welcome him, but it's just not the same. It wouldn't be a contender. He's not doing that. He's not going back. I don't think. I know Golden State's in the mix, allegedly. I think that would be weird. That would be terrible. That would be terrible. It would be awful for the league all over again. And I just, but I think it's the Suns because it's a contender. I think the storylines would be really good. I think the possibility of him playing the Warriors in a playoff series would be incredible. Possibility of him playing Kyrie, LeBron, and AD in a playoff series would be incredible if Kyrie ends up on the Lakers, which I think most people expect at this point. So that's the team I think I want the most just because I think the storylines would be great. I think they'd be a title contender, but I don't think they'd be some kind of runaway favorite that maybe feels too unfair. So that's the one I've kind of zeroed in on. But honestly, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, yeah, Toronto could be interesting, although without, you know, if they send out like OG and Scotty, it's a good team. I don't think it's like a fantastic one. Like Memphis, but I don't know, man. I I, I don't, there's no team that I'm like, this feels right. Like this fits, like this is going to be awesome. So I'm actually, I'm writing a column right now where the team I'm about to say is the team where I do feel it's perfect for him and it's perfect for the team. I don't know how realistic it is that he actually goes there. And Vegas odds are actually okay for this as a destination, although completing a trade, it would involve multiple teams. God, as listen to this buildup. Listen to this Build up. Oh my god. This team, this team is the only team to pass on Kevin Durant in the 2007 draft. Ah. It is the Portland Trailblazers. I just and, don't see how they have remotely anywhere near a chance to acquire him. Okay. So, like I said, it's going to take <laughs> multiple teams to be involved here. And I think that that is going to be the case if you're Toronto. That's going to be the case if you're Miami. That's going to be the case if you're Phoenix. Any of these teams, there's going to be multiple teams involved in the deal. For Portland, what you can do, first of all, let me just say why I think it's a perfect place for KD. If he were to go there, there is no... uh, I think expectations are a thing here where... If he goes to a team that's expected to win the title, and I do think that Phoenix would be flawed, but they would be kind of expected to win the title, right? Like, pending what they actually have to give up, if it's not much more than Aiton and Mikhail Bridges, like, that team won 64 games last year, and they're adding Kevin Durant, and I know Mikhail was huge for them and Aiton a little bit less so, but was vital in the postseason. I think that Booker, CP, and KD, that would be almost greeted as, okay, you're joining a team that went to the finals two years ago, didn't win, was unbelievable in the regular season last year. I think They'd be a title favorite, but it would be like a better version of what he... It would be like a better version of what happened with Golden State on every level because that team didn't win the title... That team is clearly flawed. Um, that team didn't make it to the finals. CP is aging. Like it would be a better could, version, a better version of what it he did. That way. You could spin it that way. I think people who are looking to discredit Kevin Durant will find ways to discredit yes, Kevin Durant. Sure, certainly. Um, 
in Portland, the team that has had the second or the the worst defense over the past three seasons combined, it's like he goes and he teams up with Damian Lillard and Jeremy Grant's probably still there after this deal. Maybe Josh Hart's still there. Nasir Little, Yusuf Nurkic, Gary Payton the second. It's like an interesting roster. I don't know how many people are going to be like, hey, Portland is going to be a top three team in the West next season. I don't know. I, I think mean, that they K- would Katie still and Jeremy Grant do play the same position, though, so. Eh, I don't know. Eh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, who, who does Portland give up is my thing. So Portland would give up Simons, and this is where it gets complicated because of base year compensation, and I don't even want to explain that on yeah. the pod today. But <laughs> Simons, Sharp, who they just drafted, they would – they have Eric Bledsoe's $19 million contract that's guaranteed on July 7th, I believe. Um, and then it's just salary that you add. And so that's not like enough to get. Well, obviously, then I got to say, like, they would negotiate. So they owe a first, protected first to mm. uh, the Bulls. And what you'd have to do, since it's get the protected Bulls to remove for the so protections. Long, yeah. Yeah. It's something that the Thunder did with the Heat um, last year in February. And then you would just add three future firsts and a couple pick swaps. I think they own another first from, I'm blanking on what transaction, but they could offer like four firsts, three pick swaps. Uh, Sharp, who they just drafted, would be wonderful. And I guess like if Brooklyn says in this fantasy world, hey, we're just trying to do a straight up deal with you and not involve anyone else, it's like it's because... Brooklyn is like, okay, we know we're not going to win the title or contend for the championship next season. We can be pretty good, and we can recoup slash enhance our draft capital and our draft equity with this deal and build towards the future. Like, that's their thinking. You keep Simmons. You have Simons. Those two are complementary. Like, I see it there. Um, But again, I I find this to be mostly fantastical and just from the perspective of the team that I want, and I think KD could really make a positive spin on his legacy at. Because if you win a title with Portland, that's just like incredible. And he well, would, that's like the, that could be the team that he's most recognized with for if, the rest of his If that's the way life. we're going, I would love to see him on the Nuggets. Okay. Um, but we, yeah, that that's like, that's pretty much impossible, unfortunately. They got to trade. They would have to get rid of Simmons. Maybe Simmons could, Simmons would have to be like rerouted somewhere else. On like Which a I think is possible. Deal. I think it's, it's possible. totally possible. They could center around MPJ, who I know is the back issue, but I think teams would still be excited about. I mean, at this point, I don't even know who they could throw in, though, um, because of the moves they've made this summer. But that would be the – if we're talking about – we're not totally sure how it would happen, but we'd like to see it happen. That's a team I'd really like to see him play for. That would be cool. Be very fun. They would probably win the title straight up. <laughs> yeah. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, Rohan, I have an email I want to spring on you that I didn't put in the outline, but ah, we just got it like 20 okay. minutes ago. It comes from Marcos, who writes... First of all, I would like to thank you three, Mr. <laughs> cool, Mr. Love Island, and Mr. Wonderful Book About the Knicks. I, I first of all, I'm I can't believe I'm Mr. Cool here. I, yeah, that I, is uh, that is egregious. Uh, no one's frankly, ever called that me they that. They called you Mr. Cool. That is <laughs> awful. I love it. That's terrible. Um, shout out to you, Marcos. Uh, I am 61 and inherited a love for basketball from my father. As I had family in New Jersey, I became a Nets fan. I was enraged by the move to have Durant, Irving, and Harden. When you have a team, and we had a team with Kenny Atkinson, (laughs) you don't throw it in the garbage for any players. In my view, there are two types of superstars. The ones who are wonderful but don't make those around them better and don't commit themselves to the team. And the ones who are wonderful play for the team and make everyone around them superior. Irving and Harden are number ones. I have seen Jason Kidd in person, and for me, he was one of the best team makers in NBA history. Please pardon my humble opinion. All the best, Marcos. So there's no question there. I just wanted to read this and let a a Nets fan vent on the show, because I feel like they're just in for a world of pain, potentially. Mm -hmm. Um, Any thoughts on Marcos' email beyond him calling me Mr. Cool, Rohan? It's really hard to move past that. Um... (laughs) I'll just say that I am personally a fan of teams. He's right. Um, there are certain teams that I feel like you and Wu make fun of me because I'm not one of those people who loves is we obsessed do. with draft picks we and do. only cares about draft picks and is like a pervert for draft picks and fetishizes draft picks, etc. Like I like teams that compete. I thought last year's Bulls were a great team. That team was really fun. Uh, took a game off the Bucks in the first round. It was a fantastic season for them. Um, maybe could have done some more damage if they'd been fully healthy, if Levine didn't hurt his knee, if Lonzo Ball was healthy. Um, you know, maybe they have a chance to make the second round. <laughs> I don't, the idea that the league is going to be entirely contenders and entirely tanking teams bothers me. The idea that, uh, like that's the only way to do like I, it's not realistic and it's not what I want to watch. I think there's value in, in putting good teams on the floor. Uh, those Nets teams are fun. Having said all of that, you can't take yourself out of the superstar game uh, if you really want to win. At the end of the day, you have to you have to take some risks in that regard when there's a realistic possibility. Um, we'll get to the Rudy Gobert trade later, um, but. You know, the Nets did what every team in the league would do in that situation, or if, if you have a chance to get KD and Kyrie, especially KD, I mean, that's just something you have to do. You have to do. They roll the dice, and it's absolutely gone up in flames spectacularly, but I, I'm sure Marcos was loving that Game 7 against Milwaukee when it looked like Brooklyn was going to steal it. Yeah. Um, 
to be clear, what Wu and I make fun of you for is just a fundamental misunderstanding of how team building works. But that's a different I under- conversation. Oh for my a different god, day. I understand how it works, but okay, I, it's just I, I, first of all, like which of these teams that have like hoarded all these first round picks have eventually gone on to like build a dynasty or whatever. Uh, well, the Golden State Warriors. They didn't. They Silence. didn't. <laughs> Silenced. The Warriors, like, made were a bad team that made their own draft picks. They didn't. They didn't do. They didn't tear down by trading away all their great players for like eighteen future firsts, etc. It's just become now where it's like if a team gets a certain number of picks, it's like, oh, my God. It's like, oh, my God, the thunder. It's like they're not even going to use all of these. This is stupid. Like, I get it. You want to take chances in the lottery. That's fine. I'm just saying that, like, I, I actually think it's fine to have a really good team that makes the second round or conference finals every year. I think what the Blazers did have done during the Dame era has been successful, even if they don't win a championship. So, I mean, the other team is the Celtics, but what I would say is, so the two teams that were in the finals, but what I would say- I mean, say, the Celtics are the only one that have done one of these trades that everyone freaks out about, that it's it's actually worked out for them. I think that what you are saying is that, I mean, the teams that you're mentioning had a clear ceiling and the middle class of the NBA, I don't think Portland was in the middle class- I think the Bulls are kind of trending in that direction, unfortunately. Um, but being in the middle class is just not personally what I want. And if the Nets never made this trade or, um, yeah, made these trades to get KD, which was technically a trade, and uh, signed Kyrie Irving and kind of gave their franchise to these players and then made the trade for James Harden, like they're trying to win the title and they were favorites to win the title and they would have probably won the title if a couple things happened differently, as opposed to the D'Angelo Russell, Spencer Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, Karis LeVert teams, mm-hmm. which were like fun. Yes, I understand that those are fun teams to root for and they're and they're spunky. They don't have a chance to win the NBA championship. And like, if you are a fan, like personally, I just don't understand why you wouldn't want your team to win, have a chance to win the NBA championship. That's just I like, agree, but I also think as a fan, there's nothing wrong with appreciating a team that doesn't have a chance either. I want to carve out that clip when the Miami Heat are bad and you are like, I'm going to now be I'm sorry, just but, full but on Miami no, Dolphins fan and no, I'm not going to even what, watch the Heat. I, one of the most fun Heat seasons in recent memory was when they went 11 and 30 and then went 30 and 11 the second half of the season. That season was awesome. Dwayne Wade's uh, best season of his career. No one thought that team had a chance to win a championship. That was probably still one of the most fun Heat seasons of my lifetime. Like, uh, I, this I that, that's I just don't ascribe to that idea that like I, I understand they're all playing to win or whatever, but like as a fan, I think there are many ways you could enjoy the sport. I think the idea that Bulls fans, even if their team didn't have a chance to win the title last year, that wasn't a great season or very fun, or all the years you know Dame had these monster playoff performances and he's hitting walk off shots, even if they feel like the team doesn't have a chance to win the title. Uh, I don't think that the Blazers should have been like, oh, our ceilings, maybe the conference finals, let's blow this up. Let's trade Dame for four draft picks now. Like, that would have been terrible. So, 
I, I, I get it. I understand it from a team building perspective. And I understand that the, the team's ultimate goals are to win championships. But I think fans should, there should be way more honor in enjoying teams that don't have a chance. This brings us to the Rudy Gobert mega trade <laughs> on Friday. Just to uh, outline what exactly happened, the Minnesota Timberwolves traded for Rudy Gobert. They got Rudy Gobert. That is it. <laughs> the Utah Jazz got Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Leandro Balmaro, Walker Kessler, Jared Vanderbilt, uh, a 2023 first-round pick unprotected, a 2025 unprotected first-round pick, a 2027 unprotected first-round pick, a top-five first-round protected first-round pick in 2029, and a pick swap in 2026. Um just like, I, you know, even just reading all of that still, I can't even, like, I've, I've struggled this whole weekend comprehending <laughs> this deal. Um, I tweeted shortly after the news broke that this is, you know, I applaud the Timberwolves for getting, a, they thought that, Putting Rudy Gobert next to Carl Towns was the solution to a lot of their long-running problems with him at the five. They haven't been able to protect the rim basically for his entire tenure. They get the best rim protector in the league, one of the best rim protectors I mean, of all time. Partially Carl Towns' fault. Sure, yes. Um, and I, I, so I understand that perspective. They thought he was a, a missing piece there, someone who would really make them dangerous and i think he will make them really interesting really good he's the best <laughs> floor raiser like he's he's probably the best floor raiser of his generation like i can't think of another player over the past five six years who you throw this Paul. dude on a team maybe but throw rudy gobert on any team in the past five years and it's like that de- like that defense is just it's like a regular season wrecking ball. So I like I, I yeah, you know that's, that's what it is right there. That's what Chris Paul does as well. Sure. Okay. Just, who, we're, we're making, I'm making rhetorical <laughs> statements, so you just let me get through this. Um, so, I'm sure. I'm sure the Thunder three years ago would have won uh, 48 games with Rudy Gobert instead of Chris Paul. Anyway, they probably would have. Um, so at the same time, <laughs> it's like. He's well, not really I, a ceiling I raiser. So many, I have so many questions. I'm just like, who was who? Who were you bidding against that you needed to include a right? 2029 like, top five they, protected should, pick? Should they have maybe offered that package for Donovan Mitchell instead and just seen what happened? I mean, it's just it's 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 really it's like this this trade could be the uh, one of the more like devastating <laughs> franchise crippling transactions ever. I mean, how it much are they going to be paying Towns and Gobert? Almost a hundred million dollars a season. Towns just signed a super max extension. Good for him. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of money dedicated. The to more those I, two. The, the more I think about this trade, the more I lean towards absolutely hating it for Minnesota. And I say this as someone who just went on this long spiel about. <laughs> like the draft pick thing doesn't really move me. Again, I understand it. I, I've it's it's what I do when I play two K and Madden. I trade all my stars for picks. I get it. Okay, believe me. 
Um, as someone who loves when small markets take a swing, uh, I think that's good for the league. They should be encouraged to do so. Having said all that, this is the type of trade you make when you've been bumping your head into the ceiling for a few years and you're desperate to make the finals. You think this guy is going to take you over the top. Like when the Bucks traded for Drew Holiday, that was because missing piece. The, yeah, went to the conference finals, lost, losing the second round. We have this MVP candidate. We can afford to make this trade because this guy is going to take us over the top. And we the, need him to resign. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want to lose him. The Wolves come in with one first round exit. Carl Towns waving to the fans after, you know, they're crying once they make the play in. By the way, the team empowerment's gone way too far. Pat Bev pours his heart out for the Minnesota Timberwolves, and they just trade him, even with all that time remaining on his contract. Just crazy. stop. Crazy, okay, with stop. These, stop. crazy what team empowerment has come to. But, uh, yeah, I just really lean toward hating this trade. I don't like the Towns-Gobert frontcourt combo. I... I feel like there's going to be a lot of playoff games where they're going to be awkwardly playing with one another when everyone agrees only one of them should be on the floor. I think it could work great in the regular season, but this is the kind of move that you make for the playoffs. And I just don't know that I like the fit. I don't know that I like it. Gobert is getting older. I mean, how many does he have four years left on his contract? How many years does he have left on his deal? Three. He's making massive money. He's about to be on the wrong side of 30. Um, just yeah, turned thirty I, earlier this month. Yeah, I just I I think I really don't like this trade at all. I think they, and again, this is someone who like is like whatever on draft picks. They clearly gave up way too much for him, and some of those picks are coming later on enough that this could be a disaster. I, I yeah, I don't know. It's to me, it's this is not the kind of move that takes them over the top. So I think. To okay, what I will say from Minnesota's perspective is I think they lost the negotiation badly. <laughs> I had Danny, I wrote a winners and losers column that I mentioned on the pod on Friday, and it had to be amended so that I could add that Danny Ainge was a humongous winner, of course, uh, representing the Democratic People's Republic of Boston, still the Utah we're gonna, delegate. We're, we, we Congratulations have more time. to you. We'll be yeah. getting, we'll be getting to that later. Um, but Danny Ainge, uh, just don't trade with this person if he's trying to blow up his team. Like, don't don't do it. It's just like I I would love to understand the negotiation there, where it's like everyone in the league knew that the Jazz were trying to break up Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, basically that they kind of had to. I don't know what the leverage is that Utah had to ask for this much. I really don't. And for Minnesota. They got their guy, obviously wanted Rudy, did not, well, valued Rudy more so than someone like DeJounte Murray, who we'll get to in a second. <laughs> and, you know, you could say that they went all in. There's still a few more pieces that they have on their roster that they could ostensibly trade. Jaden McDaniels, they kept in this deal. I love Jaden McDaniels so much. Um, I've, I've D'Angelo Russell's probably not long for this roster, I would imagine. Maybe he is, and that's part of why they got Rudy. I don't know. I think that Minnesota will be very good in the regular season. I am not someone who is down on Rudy in the postseason. I don't think that much of 
the criticisms that he he has received over the past couple years Listen, falls on his we, shoulders. We all agree that the defense in Utah is not his fault. At the same time, if I'm paying a guy that much money, I need him to be able to do something on offense in the playoffs. So, but your if your roster has the one of the most skilled, if not the most skilled center or big man in the league, he's one not of, he's not going to step into the paint this season. I mean. He's look, gonna be. He's, he's gonna be like. Look, he's gonna be like a, a, a ma- little dramatic. He's gonna be dramatic. like. He's gonna be like Anthony Tolliver out there this year, dude. No, no, he's really not. <laughs> he's really not. He's, gonna Very, be a- he's super skilled. Uh, like great post player, great passer. Um, you think his post ups are gonna go up this year? I, I, dude, you- it's like you can stagger these two players. It's fine. It's not but, the end okay, of the world. Okay, every time with the staggering stuff, I get yeah. it. I get it. But it, when yeah. you're when you Do make you? a trade, <laughs> when you make a trade, and you're like, "Don't worry, these guys don't have to play together." I'm like, "Do you do you hear yourself?" No, no, no. That's not what I'm, uh, no, I'm not saying that. I think that they can work together. I know, but I'm you're saying, saying like you're saying like don't worry, dude. They can split them up, and it's like the whole point is to get well, players that play well together. No, well, I don't think that Carl Towns. I don't think Carl Towns is just going to be a spot up three point shooter when Rudy Gobert's on the court. I, I think don't he will think be. That's the case. Okay, <laughs> I don't think that's the case. Um. I think you could run you could run a side pick and roll with Rudy at the dunker spot. It'll be fine. Like think about I think the, it'll be fine during the regular season. I think that it'll be not the worst thing in the world in the playoffs. I think that the offensive talent that they have around them, um, Anthony Edwards, assuming he makes a leap, Jaden McDaniels assuming he makes a little bit of a jump, potentially a leap on offense. Um, Carl Towns, like I said, one of the most skilled players at his position in the entire league. Um, I like the offense around Rudy fine. I think a lot of the criticisms about the defense are a little unwarranted. And I think that they can be on the court in some matchups. Not all, not all matchups. I think they could be on the court in some matchups defensively and be okay. Um, I'm just really interested to see how it works, and I do not hate it for Minnesota. Let's say, let's say the Wolves go on a magical run to the NBA Finals. Okay, just a magical. We made it, and yeah. they're playing your beloved Boston Celtics. Okay, uh huh. And it's the fourth quarter, and Ime says it's a, it's like game one of the fourth quarter of the this year's Finals all over again. Ime says, you know what? I'm tired of messing around. I'm going small. I'm going to my best lineup. He puts out Marcus Smart. He puts out Malcolm Brogdon, who stayed healthy the whole year. Jason Tatum. <laughs> just, okay, just Jalen Brown. What? I I listened to my hypothetical. It has the Celtics in the finals. I don't know why you're so upset. First of all, out- if the Timberwolves get to the finals, they won the trade. The end. Sorry. Like, this organization has been out of the first round one time sure, in sure, 30-something sure, sure. years. Sure, sure, so, sure, sure. Yeah. Um, the Celtics are playing Smart, Brogdon, Tatum, Brown. And Horford. Who's on the floor for the Wolves in that scenario? Uh, I I mean, I have no idea, man. Like, I don't know how to answer <laughs> that question. Um, you could put Towns on Smart. You could put uh, Gobert on Horford. You could put Gobert on... I mean, Gobert is just such a great defender. You could put him 
on Brogdon. You could. I don't know who else is going to be on the court for the Timberwolves. Who the other three players are? Uh, no, that sounds really promising. Towns on Smart, Gobert on Brogdon. No, no, no that sounds. I, I, I mean, you could match up natural. Like it's I, I, like. <laughs> The the scenario that you're outlining is the Timberwolves made the finals, so like they just won three playoff series. With I these know. Two I'm in just saying. Court. I think that they're going to run into problems, but I don't like the trade. It's you not that like I think. The, it's not that you I don't think, like the trade because the the what they gave up, or you just don't think that Rudy they should have both. even targeted Rudy. Both. Okay. Um, I think I disagree there. I also think Carl Towns should fit. play play better defense. Okay, but he's that's wonderful. But like, I think Bam Adebayo should take five threes a game. It's just not what's happening. That's, I know like, what I'm reality. saying, but but let's like we need to talk more about like what can players do to make their teams better. Like Donovan Mitchell, how about playing better defense? Um, like yeah, there should be some onus on these guys for to improve. Also, um. Again, Gobert, I just think we're that I just don't think you should pay a center like him that much money in today's NBA, as great as his defense is. He's earned every single one of those defensive player of the war, year awards. Um I I just think that there's a limit to how much he can impact in a playoff series because he's like not doing anything for you offensively. Like I've moved on from the, oh, like Rudy gets played off the court, blah, blah, like whatever. But like, let's, people keep defending the defense now, but I'm like, but let's talk about what he's doing offensively and how he's helping your team there. And I understand he's a great pick and roll partner. It's, Mm -hmm. it just, it just changes a lot in the postseason. We keep talking about it, but it's a different sport. You You have to be prepared for this, you know, way the game shifts. And you just, you look at the finals that just happened. To me, the idea that Gobert is going to be on the court in a series like that with Towns next to him, that's another thing. It's like maybe he survives if he's on a better team, but the idea that Gobert and Towns are playing together in a finals like the one we just had, I don't see it. Maybe. Maybe not. I don't I don't know. Rob Williams was plus 30 in the finals. Kevon Looney was indispensable in the finals. Invaluable. Like, you can be a big on the court in the NBA finals. Uh you can impact the offensive glass. Um, a lot of different things that you can do. So I, I like. I don't know. I think some of it is a little bit overblown, but I also understand that. Yeah, we are in a five-out NBA, and again, it's no one's trading dependent. three unprotected first for Looney, though. That is true, but Looney has never won Defensive Player of the Year. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English, and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So uh, let's now let's let's shift a little bit to talk about the Dejounte Murray Hawks trade. Um, spend a little time on this one because I know it happened a little while ago, a little further. When, when actually, when did this happen? <laughs> did you like you and Kristen talk ago. about this one? We we mentioned it, but I we had other stuff that we had to get to, so we weren't able to dive in really. Um, real quick, here's the trade: Hawks get Dejounte Murray and Jock Londale. Spurs got Danilo Gallinari, future Celtic great. Um, they waived him. A 2023 first round pick from the Hornets, a 2025 first round pick that's unprotected from the Hawks, a 2026 pick swap with the Hawks. A 2027 first round unprotected pick from the Hawks. Has Gallo um, been waived yet? Uh, yes, I think so. I I saw that it, all the reports were like plans to sign with the Celtics, but it's weirdly I and but and then we were assuming it's the mid level, but I haven't seen the terms anywhere yet either. I think they're waiting for the moratorium to I see. end. Um, but. Yeah, so the Hawks then traded Kevin Herter. That is a trade that we discussed because it broke during our episode, which um, I told you they would. I was you like, did I, call that. I, I was like, oh, they're probably gonna. You're like, why would they trade Herter? And I was I like, oh, Mike. And I was like, Mike, you innocent, sweet soul. You don't know anything about team building and how these owners work. But uh, <laughs> and I know you were like the the Hawks. I I really need them to get more picks. I don't understand why they're not. No, I was like good players I was like, for picks. It was I was like, like I, I was like, you know, what would be nice is if they kept this team together because it's actually pretty good. But instead, of course, they immediately trade Herder and Lon- Herder. And uh, didn't Londale get traded too? Is he? St- I don't. I know. thought that is guy was already on a different team. Maybe I'm sorry. I don't. Well, that was technically the trade. I, I'm pretty yeah. sure. I'm so broken mentally trying to break all this stuff down. No, no, um, I. I yeah, his name's Josh Londale. That's all I have to say. Legend. Um, so he's like I a guess... bad guy in a Link later movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Um, who won this trade? We'll just start there. Who won this trade, Rowan? I think it's the Spurs. Even again, I'm coming back on the side of pick fetishes. If the Hawks, I think, had... I think that's just what you are. No, it's, it's that's not. what I think. You don't I don't want to be it. If the Hawks had if the Hawks had kept Herder, I'd feel better about it for Atlanta. But it's obvious that they're like, we need to move off long term salary. They're probably going to give Dejounte a huge contract again. In two years in, in two like, years he's under in two contract years. for another two years. True. I just another one where I'm. I'm not as down on the fit as I am in Minnesota. I do think they needed a secondary ball handler, but maybe one that's frankly like not as good as DeJounte. Um, we're hearing all this tray off the ball talk. I need to see it to believe it. Um, and I, I wrote this in my trade grade. For, and even if Trey's spectacular playing off the ball, the last three or four minutes of a fourth quarter – He's going to have hands and have the ball in his hands. How's it going to work with Dejounte on the floor? Um, I, I think it could work, but I don't know. This one's maybe it's a wash. I, this one just leaves me not really feeling passionate for either side. 
Um, you know, I love DeJounte. I'm still a little. I mean, I, I it like sucks the that the Spurs traded him. him. It sucks that the yeah, Spurs it, traded him. It it does. Um, you know, clearly they wanted to shake things up, and Tank. I think DeJounte is a. Uh, a tremendous talent. I don't see how you can't still lose with him. But the Thunder have I, been doing I, it with Shea, who's been like a top thirty player in the NBA. Yeah, I like. I mean, I'm I'm happy for him to go to a situation where they're they're trying to win right mm-hmm. now, and I am I'm I think he's a wonderful fit next to Trey. I don't really have any issues there. And again, you're not gonna like this, but you can stagger these two and always have one of them on the court, which is wonderful because their offense has been abysmal. Um Atlanta's offense has been abysmal when Trey Young's been on the bench basically his entire career. And the same is kind of true for DeJounte to a lesser extent. Um so having those two as just like we'll always have an all-star, all-NBA caliber point guard on the floor is great. Um, yeah, like, if I was the Spurs, I would just really want to keep my 25-year-old guy who improves every year mm-hmm. kind of positionless, just and like this a is, pure this basketball is what I'm saying. player. This is what I'm saying about the pick fetishes, is now we've created an environment where a team is better off trading its homegrown all-star than keeping him, and I think that sucks. Yes. And I, un- I again, I understand the calculus. Oh, we probably won't win it, but I mean, is that good for Spurs fans? That it's like, and I'm sure plenty of them are happy about the trade. They want to tank. They want to get in the lottery. They want to get Wen Benyama and blah blah. But I'm sure there are plenty of fans who just love to watch Dejounte play. Who's probably their favorite player, and it's better for them to trade him instead of paying him, even though he's, as you said, improved every year. Young guy, loved being there. Uh, the moment he had with Pop when Pop broke the wins record. I mean, it just, you know, it really is ultimately a league issue, a league problem they've, that they've fostered this environment. But that's why I don't like these kinds of trades because it encourages stuff like this. And to me, it's just a bummer. It's a bummer. It is a little bit of a bummer. Um, I'm excited for Atlanta, though. Um, and this is another one of those, just in terms of the draft capital, like a missing piece type of trade, honestly. And I think they, you know, we'll see what happens over the next few years here, but I do think they needed to do something. They needed to shake it up. Uh, and they probably did have too many wings, honestly, even before this trade, like Herder, Bogdanovich and Hunter, with Trey, it's just hard to find the right combination of minutes for all those guys. I do like the like the defensive of you have Murray, uh, Hunter, and either Okongu or Capella. I think that has a potential. So uh, I'm coming around to it. I just I'm interested to see how much it moves the needle come playoff time, which again is why you make a move like this. Yeah, the East is going to be tough next year. It's going to be tough for them in the immediate future to make a deep playoff run, I think. But if you're high on a Kongwu, if you're high on someone, even just like Jalen Johnson, who didn't really play for them last year. They drafted in last year's draft, Deandre Hunter, as yeah, you mentioned, Collins is still on the board as someone who they might trade for someone who makes sense there. 
Capella. Yeah, I still just well, I think Capella. I'm. I don't know. I've been. I've been in my head in my my dreams thinking about a three team trade that involves Capella going to Phoenix, Aiton going to Utah, and a bunch of picks and stuff going to Atlanta. I'm trying to like formulate that and make hmm. it legal. That just makes a lot of sense to me and would be pretty cool. Dude, the Aiton uh, thing. How does no one want this guy, man? This is crazy to me. It's just, it's tough to, well, it's tough to trade him because of base year compensation. You have to have cap space to side him. I get all that. It's just, it is crazy how in the last couple years, like no one tries to sign restricted free agents anymore. Um... Well, Bogdanovich in Atlanta, they got him. He was restricted. They had an offer sheet. Sacramento didn't match. That's one example. But you got to overpay to get yeah. a guy. And the Kings um, are they're in their own world, detached from the National Basketball Association. So They, they truly are. Um, so I, you know, it's funny. Like, you make a trade like this, and then it's like, at the our our future still kind of hinges on what it hinged on before. It's like how good is Hunter going to be? Um, how good is a Kongwu going to be? Uh, we'll see with Collins what we get for Collins. What steps yeah. is Trey going to make? Because I will say last player? year the Collins Okongwu front court I don't think ultimately um, was very good. I I try to remember the statistics and all this stuff entering that a first lot of- round. They didn't have a ton of minutes, and I think that they could grow. I think Okongwu showed potential, and I think that... um, He'll be awesome. Yeah, he's going to be really good, and I bet, like, over the next couple years, like, any front court partner he has ultimately will have, like, a pretty good debt rating together, but it was just something I was like, I got to put a pin in that. It's something to keep an eye on. Um, I'm interested in what they do with Collins, because I'd be... It sounds like for the longest time, he was definitely going to get moved... It's weird that some of the big names, like free agency's gone dead, but there's still so many names on the board right now. Um, yeah, we're in a weird holding pattern, I guess, because of this KD stuff, but it's been a strange offseason. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English, and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So let's talk about the Celtics, shall we? I'm very excited oh, to God. talk about this Here trade. Here we go. The state media is logged on. The propaganda arm. After I read to you the terms of this trade, I would like... I've been thinking about this. I would like for you to tell me what 
what actions the Celtics have made that do not warrant, um, quote unquote, a propaganda media support uh, arm? I need to I need go. to hear it. But first, the the trade: Malcolm Brogdon to the Boston Celtics. The Indiana Pacers received Daniel Tice, Aaron Neesmith, Nick Stauskas, Malik Fitz, Juwan Morgan, and a first round pick in two thousand twenty three. Um, this is a wonderful. Grand Slam trade for the Boston Celtics uh, did not give up any players who were in their playoff rotation from the team that just went to the NBA Finals while addressing um, some needs, frankly, um, that were seen and were glaring at the back end of the NBA Finals. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon coming off their like just adding Malcolm Brogdon off your bench, a guy who started the past three seasons as a point guard for an okay team, a team that made the playoffs a couple times, can run pick and roll, can hit spot up threes, is not a negative on the defensive end, um, can fit into their switch everything system. It's just like a, it's it's a great trade for the Celtics. Uh, what what are your thoughts on on the deal, Rohan? And I'm still waiting on the negative moves that have been made by this front office in the past, let's say, 18 months. <sighs> Unfortunately, it's a spectacular move. I mean, there's no question about it. I said it as soon as the trade happened. We were talking about it in our Slack channel. As you mentioned, anytime you could give up players who don't play, for someone who will play, it's like a trade you make 100 out of 100 times. Um, it sounds like Brogdon's been available for a long time, and it's kind of shocking. This is how low his value has gone. Um, yeah, it makes you wonder how other teams like have not been able to... Like the Lakers should have figured out a way to get Brogdon months ago if this was ultimately going to be the price. Um, no, it's a really good trade. Uh I I was thinking all playoffs long, like they need one more guy who can play the two or three. Like they they were a slightly too front court heavy. Um, they need like someone that they can play over Pritchard, uh, maybe even White if he's struggling. They got that. You know, I joked about it. I do think the health is a little bit of a concern with Brogdon. He has not played a ton of games the last few seasons. But – I think the calculus also changes. He's going to be asked to play a lot different role, a lot less burden, a lot fewer minutes potentially. They can afford to kind of slow play him until the playoffs. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's unquestionably a really good move, probably one of the best moves of the summer. Again, like they just gave up. It, it was like they traded nothing for him. Those guys don't play. Um, you can find a Tice, you know, uh, for a minimum deal if you need another backup big, but they're pretty rich in the front court too, so... No, it really is a, a really good move, and I think if he does stay healthy throughout the playoff run, I mean, the fact that they found yet another guy who, like you said, doesn't take away anything from what they do defensively, that's really what I think makes them so special. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a huge, a huge, huge win for them. You sound so sad analyzing this trade. Just the tone of your voice is just in the dumps. This is a joyous day. It's not um, even, I'm not even a, like mad about it as like, oh no, the Celtics got better. It's just the the satisfaction you feel is what really bothers me. I feel it is that, is that it allows you, I had multiple people texting me after I uh, 
tweeted like hate to align with the DPRB state media, but the Celtics did a great job of the trade. A couple people reached out to me like, hey, what do you mean by DPRB? And I'm like, glad you asked. So what I refer to, um, so what I refer to Boston as, you know, the Democratic Republic people of Boston, um, just rivaling North Korea in terms of their propaganda arm. Um, real quick, and, and how they real, lie to the people who live there every day. Real quick, real quick, is the contingency, the quote unquote heat contingency? Have they gotten Udonis Haslam to sign again? <laughs> Did they send everyone in their front office to his houseboat? Have they like have they, they is he signed on the dotted line yet? Like what's going on? Can you give us a status update with um, that? Udonis, a three time NBA champion, a son of Miami, gets to just take as long as he wants to decide if he's going to re-sign with the team. Um, unlike the Celtics, who treat their <laughs> franchise legends, whether it's Ray Allen, um, whether it's Bill Russell, you know, they, whether it's Bill Russell, <laughs> Boston wouldn't get it. Um, Boston wouldn't get it. So there is and, a literal statue of Bill Russell in Boston. But continue, and, and he famously loves going back there. Um, uh, anyway. Yeah, a couple, and I had to explain to them. No, it means a demo, and they were like, "That's great. We're going to start using that." And I'm like, "Thank you. It deserves to catch on." You are the propaganda, just so you know. Like you have become what you are criticizing. I'm, but not that's fine. The propaganda. You I don't are know what you're propaganda. Tra- How, you are a propaganda what, what, machine. For who? For what? I'm, I'm. I'm again. I'm asking you what negative moves. You, the whole point of what you're saying is that people say positive things about the Celtics. What negative moves would they be lying about is just the question. And I would just like a simple. Oh, my God. If I had to go to one more finals press conference where like every guy's like every second, third guy's asking a question about Marcus Smart and about how he's the Celtics version of Draymond and blah, blah, blah. And I have to read these articles about Jason Tatum's improvement as a playmaker. And then he has the most turnovers in the postseason in NBA history. You are the propaganda. (laughs) You are the propaganda. I would just like. Like to see a little bit of chill, a little bit of you know we've been there before, but it's fine, you know. I don't even know what to say, but I, I I am praying for you. Let's move on really quick, and let's talk about some of our favorite, least favorite contracts so <laughs> far this summer. There have been a few. We don't want to spend, don't have to spend too much time here on this. Um, Real quick, Rohan, what is your what, what's your favorite contract that you? It seen might so be far? Bruce Brown to the Nuggets for the mid level exception. It's a beauty. Um, how the Lakers, for example, didn't get in on Bruce Brown at the mid level. I don't know why they didn't try to do that. I don't know if he's um, not represented. By yeah, a I was going to say maybe there are other reasons. Um, that's a fantastic signing, and I think he's going to be like. I've seen some people be like, oh, like, you know, he's not going to get these free rolls to the hoop. Like, he did, like, Bruce Brown screening for Jokic is going to be devastating. Um, I think he's going to get really easy buckets laying off uh, Jokic and Murray. And, and another signing, you look at it a combination with the KCP move. I mean, we, we joked about this, we texted about this, but put, playing Murray, KCP, Brown, Gordon, Jokic, some of the best defensive lineup the Nuggets have probably put on the floor in years. Um, I just love that move because I think he's a really good player. He's going to get a lot of open threes, but guess what? He makes enough of them. He does other things on offense. Uh, he's able to guard up defensively. He gives them a defender they just have not had in years. Like it's, it was a great signing in a vacuum and a great, an even better one combined with their other moves. So that one's really high up there for me. 
Mm-hmm. Yep, that one stood out when it signed. Great fit. I will say, just before the Laker Army fan base comes after me, like I do understand that Bruce Brown's role in, in L.A. probably would not be as clean as it will be in Denver. But um, you need a you need someone closer to that type of player than closer to the type of player Lonnie Walker is, and I like Lonnie Walker. But I also think that you know if you're Bruce Brown, where you want to go? Yeah, it's like players get to make decisions. True, it's not that true. Like no. if the Lakers could have had it out there for Very him, true. and he'd been like, I'd rather play with the MVP. Yeah, I bet MVP. That, Do you think they made an offer though? I bet they did. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> um, so a couple of contracts I like really quick. Um, Tyus Jones, two years, 30 mil to the Memphis Solid. Grizzlies. Glad they brought him back. They had to um, They had to bring him back. He's just so critical to how they play. He's the best backup point guard in the NBA probably. And uh, John Moran is not playing 82 games. Mm. Um, so really good. When they went small with him in the playoffs in the first round, that's why they won that series against the Timberwolves. So he's just a really solid player, really good player, really good shooter. Uh, love that move for them. Really liked Gary Payton the second to the Portland Trailblazers. I was going to say, really I, uh, do you know how old Gary Payton the second is? I'm going to guess 29. That's correct. Okay. It's kind of surprising, right? Because obviously he like burst onto the scene this year, and I know he's been around for a while, but mm-hmm. I thought it, I I thought it was interesting that Gary Payton the second got more years and more money than Bruce Brown. Yeah, um, he's probably a better defender. Gary Payton the second is yeah. a better defender. Yeah. Yes, but yes. I, I'm he also is. I'm also just high on Bruce Brown. I like Bruce Brown a lot. I mean, I, that's the Hurricanes fan in me. But sure, Boston native. Um, the other deal I'll really quickly throw out there. I like Anthony Simon's four year. Oh, really? I was a little bit like, I was surprised he got that much money. I was honestly anticipating like a ma- him asking for the max and like holding out for the max. Is I guess honestly I like guess that's like a couple years ago now, but the and like I guess that contract's realistically a bargain, is what it is. I don't know how I feel about him making more money than Mikhail Bridges. The Mikhail Bridges contract is a bargain. Yes, and I think that's <laughs> really that. that's really what the story is there. I mean, I gotta say the Dwayne Dedman signing, getting him back above the veterans minimum for two years. <laughs> <laughs> anytime you could give your backup center who couldn't play during the playoffs a raise in multiple years you say, are the the mighty heat like asleep at the wheel like can someone tell me what's going on there um <laughs> i mean just losing I, I pj they, tucker and be like all right well <laughs> well okay if you're them i understand like, that they're maybe trying to hold you, out for some trades and blah 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 but they yeah, are and, they are fading quickly, my friend. The Bucks. I like the Bucks getting Joe Ingles. If he is anything, you do. Left. Okay, let's talk. Let's talk about that. Why do you like that? Because I really did not like that. I think he's the. If he's healthy, I think he's the kind of player they need. I do wish they'd been able to bring another contract. I love that people are going to be sick of is Divincenzo. I think that was a fantastic signing. Yeah, that was a rich getting richer type of deal right there. Got him on a bargain. King's pulling his qualifying off. Oh, it was kind of so surprising. Ridiculous. 
That the King um, should have done with DiVincenzo what the Magic did with Gary Harris, which is sign him even if you're just planning to trade him. Mm-hmm. But I, I think DiVincenzo yeah. is really good. People are like his shooting, like he was shooting poorly coming off the injury. I think his three point percentage rebounded in Sacramento. I don't think he forgot how to shoot the basketball. He can defend. I think he's going to be really good for them. Yeah, that was a good one. Ingles, I think, can be good for the Bucks. 34 Torres ACL on January 31st. Like, maybe. They're going to ask them, him. They're going to ask him to more, do I even less. Athletici- I need yes. more athleticism. They're going to ask sorry. him to do less than what the Jazz did, and they'll try to save him. But I agree. I mean, I'm still overall disappointed with the Bucks offseason. Grayson Allen's still on the team. Not sure how I feel about that, giving Bud the opportunity to start him. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I. it is... Uh, I agree. They needed to do more. Okay, let's real quick uh, close this thing out with uh, your least favorite contracts so far. Um, Does any one kind of come to mind for you, Rohan? (laughs) I didn't like Gary Harris resetting with the Magic just because I wanted him to play for a good team, but hopefully he'll get traded. Did not love the Lonnie Walker deal, even though I like Lonnie Walker, which I told you and you made fun of me for it. Um, only because I don't think that's what they needed at that money at this time. But I, I know contracts I really hate. Simon's I'm nonplussed. I don't love it, but I don't hate it. Um, I got two for you okay. that I really don't like. The first is Marvin Bagley. Uh, three years, thirty-seven million dollars. The years. What are we? What are we? What are we doing? I no, like, like Marvin Bagley, and I think he has a chance to be good in Detroit. That is an outrageous contract. I'm sorry. Like, I don't know about who, outrageous. Who, uh, that is outrageous. Who Who is paying him anything that you need to yeah, go? Yeah, he might be tradable too. I think like a good team should take a chance on him. Um, like I yeah. think if you put him on Golden what State position, what or position Miami, does he play? what position does he play? Just answer that. Tell me what position. <sighs> We can go from there. No, it's a fair (laughs) point. It's a fair point. He played small ball center on my 2K team like three years ago. It was when up 250 points a game. (laughs) No, it was it was the year before he was actually drafted into the NBA. But I had one of those user generated draft classes where some guy like creates the draft class for you. And I I had Paul George, Aaron Gordon, and Marvin Bagley. My Gordon Bagley front court was unstoppable. Paul George won MVP. Just running pick and rolls with Bagley every play, kicking out to Gordon for three in the corner if the defense cheated. It was incredible. That that trick. I mean, that signing, I just, it's just not good. Like, it's All right, just not fair good. enough. Fair enough. What's um, wrong? My other one is, um, and this is, I, like, look, I, like, I understand the, the context here. It's Brad Beal's Supermax. Like, oh come on! What are they supposed to do? You were supposed to trade him before. You're not so, like. Where are you doing? What are you, like? So what is you, the you're end saying game? You should have traded him for picks. I'm saying you trade him for something before you get to the point where he's what is he? 29 years old, and you give him a five year contract worth 251 million dollars, and he says. I think it was a. I forget what podcast he said this on, where he wants to play into June. It might have been Draymond's. I don't. I don't <laughs> know. I could be wrong. 
He says he wants to play into June. Winning's all that matters. Said that multiple times. Signs with the Washington Wizards, $250 million. He's going to ask out for a trade in two years. Like, what are we even doing if you're the Wizards? It's just absolutely ridiculous. Like, that's just, it's just depressing. It's sad. Um, It would have been really cool, yeah, if Beal either asked out or they traded him and um, had the balls to do so beforehand uh, when he had a lot of value. Um, just a bummer. I don't even know what to say. Like, I just don't like that, it, it, that move I, at all. I, I don't – I know what you're saying. I think ultimately it's just kind of like – this. to me it's more pointless than straight up not liking it. Mm-hmm. It's more that I'm like this serves no purpose for anyone involved here. I guess Bradley Beal does get to make a lot of money, but yes, it's yeah. a, it's a Just very. Say I want, I want yeah. all the money. Just say it's, that, and then it's, it's like, a, it's a very unmoving contract. It's a very unmoving contract. I agree. Like I like the Monte Morris trade. Okay, did like the Monte um, Morris trade. Guess what? You're not making the playoffs next year. Congratulations. <laughs> like, what are we even doing? Like, it's just, it's, it's dumb. But he got his money, and he will ask for a, a trade in like two years, maybe next off season. I don't know. That's just what's going to happen. Um, bummer. Yeah. Uh, okay. I think that'll do it for today's show, Rohan. Um, any other thoughts about Brad Stevens, your favorite GM executive of the year in 2023 before we go, or, or are we good? Any last words? Just that you're flying so close to the sun right now that I will <laughs> not show any mercy when the wings melt off. That's all I got to say. Thank you, Rohan, for your insight and your expertise. Thank you so much to our listeners, uh, the wonderful members of the Open Floor Globe. Please keep your emails coming, openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail at gmail.com. Everybody, please stay safe. Everybody, please continue to enjoy the NBA offseason. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public, the list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.